Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? It's going to be fun. We are in the, in the second week of our series, Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, there were five steps to commit adultery. Uh, today, we're talking about five steps to lose your faith, five steps to lose your faith. If you lose your faith in Christ, it will wreck your life. I promise you that. And I'm going to help you today. And of course, I'm going to be teaching you how to lose your faith, but the the, the ultimate goal is to teach you what not to do. How many know what we're talking about? What not to do really is what we're talking about here today. And I want to I wanna, um, start by telling you just uh, maybe a, something that a lot of you have experienced in this room as I have. Um, you know, I love to go into the woods, especially during bow season, during deer season. And um, if you've been a hunter for a really long time, especially if you've hunted new areas, um, you probably know what it's like to get lost in the woods. You probably know that, that um, especially if you're hunting a new stand, a new area, you'll be in the stand and you're watching the sun go down and you, you know which way is west, you know which way is east, and you know when you get out of stand, okay, all I have to do is go this direction and, and eventually I'm going to hit, I'm gonna hit the, the, uh, you know, where I parked the truck or, or you know, at least really close to it if I just head in this direction. And so you get down out of your tree stand, and you just start walking that direction, and then it doesn't take very much, you know, a fallen log. It, it, it takes a, a stream. It, it takes just very little for you to say, oh, I got to go around this, and you think that you're back on track only to be off by a few degrees, and it's scary, everybody. There, there are times where you're out there in the woods if you don't know that area, and um and, and you get a little nervous, like, I don't know where I am, where am I? And, you know, the, thankfully here in Indiana, the vast majority of the times, if you walk in a certain direction, if you just keep on walking, within a mile or so, you're going to hit a road. You know, you're going to hit something. And, and, and there have been times where I've been out in the woods thinking, okay, I'm just going to keep going in this direction, and when I hit a road, I'll just hit a road. But what if you hit a road in the middle of it, and you're not at the intersection where you see the the the, the, the names of the roads, you, you don't know, you know, you lose track. Well, which way is north? Which way is south? And, and um, uh, sometimes cell phones don't work out there. Did you, know, you know, if you don't realize that, there's a lot of times you just get no signal, so your phone really isn't a help, and you think, well, okay, I'm going to start walking in this direction, just hoping it's the right direction. And you get a little nervous about that. You get a little nervous about it, and... Um, I remember my my dad was uh, hunting one time, and it was it was very late season, extremely cold, and he just got lost, like just got lost, and we were all wondering where he was, and it was big woods that he was in, and we didn't know we didn't know where he was, and me and my brother were were it we're about to start going out there looking for him. We kind of have a general idea where he is, and. Um, and at, at some, you know, we kept trying to call him. Apparently, he kept trying to call us. And, and then sometimes it was working where he would call us, but our cell phones weren't working, so we didn't get... And then when we tried to call him, his wasn't working. And, 
And I remember when we finally caught up with him, he was so nervous because he thought he was going to have to be overnight in extreme cold. And he was really worried about that. But thankfully, you know, we wouldn't have let that happen. We would have found him. Um, but it's, it's kind of scary stuff. And, and all it takes is just a little bit to get off track. It, it doesn't take much. You could be heading in one direction. And I'm telling you, one fallen log that you decide to go around and, and all of a sudden you kind of lose track of which direction you were really going. And, and, and it's very similar to losing your faith. You're, you're going, you think you're going in the right direction. In fact, you know you're going in the right direction. And all of a sudden there's something that happens in your life and it just takes you a little bit off but the more, the more you keep going forward, the more you keep walking in life, the more you realize, wow, I'm off track. Like, I, I'm, I need, I'm not even close to where I used to be. I don't, there have been some people that, that have come to us and like, Pastor, I used to be so close to the Lord. I'm just not now. I'm just not close to the Lord. I, I just, sometimes I wonder if he even exists. And I used to be so close to him. And and, and I look at him, I said, boy, can't you hear the, the devil giving you those thoughts? Because how can you say, boy, I was so close to the Lord, but now I don't even know if he exists. That doesn't even make sense. Because you're saying, in a way, well, he existed five years ago when I was really close to him, but I just don't know that he exists now because I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, of course he exists, and, and you're, you, it's by your own admission that you know he exists. You've just lost faith. You've just... You, you, you just got off track, and you got lost. And it's pretty important in this life that we don't do that, that, that we stay on course, that we stay moving in the direction that God wants us to. And I don't, I don't want any of you in this room, in fact, can I tell you this, Jesus doesn't want any, any person in this room to lose your faith. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. And I'm going to help you out today. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says, um, these are verses 2 through 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God. This is, of course, Paul writing to the church of Corinth. So he's writing to a group of people, and he said, I, I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, and that is Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure an undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Now, why would he be scared about that? Why would he be nervous about that? Like, it was pure, undivided devotion to Christ. And now he's looking at this church and saying, you guys are making me nervous. And then he really tells us, he says, watch this, everybody. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. That's one way that he's getting nervous for them. He's like, hey, hey, there's some things sneaking into your life and you're giving thought to them. There's some ideas that are coming. There's some lies that have been coming that you're starting to believe. And I'm really fearful that you're actually going to believe them and move in that direction. And it just scares me, he's saying. Like, you're making me really nervous. I don't want you to go down that path. Then he says, watch this, verse four. And this is this is the, 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 the kicker, if you want to call it that. You happily put up with whatever, with whatever anyone tells you. Like if you hear it and it just sounds good to you, you say, well, that sounds good. Well, they make an interesting point. Wow, I've never heard it like that before. And you just listen to anybody about whatever they want to talk about. And you're leaning towards 
believing a deceptive lie. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Like you know these things that you've been taught. Why are you questioning them now? It's because somebody has come in and they have told you a lie and you are tempted to believe it. You're tempted to go in that direction. You're sitting there saying, well, yeah, that sort of makes sense. And you're forgetting the truth that has been revealed to you in Christ Jesus through his Holy Spirit and the things that you have lived out and experienced. You are forgetting about those things and you're moving forward with worldly philosophy, with worldly ideas, with carnal ideas. Can I say it like this? There are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Satan's putting out these lies, these philosophical lies, and you're believing them. You know, we had a young man that was part of New Song for several years when we started the church. In fact, some in this room, as I'm looking around, some of you know this man, this young man. And at one point, he had placed his trust in Jesus, and then he decided to go to college and be a philosophy major. And, and, and we tried, of course, this is also in a secular university, and we tried to tell him, no, this, I'm telling you, don't do this. Don't do this. He did. And he started listening, not just to the voices of teachers, professors, that were very ungodly, by the way. But he started listening to the voice of the devil and became so confused that even to this day, I don't know that he's found his way back to Christ. I pray for him when I think of him. That's a dangerous thing to lose your faith in Christ. And there might be some of this room that's like, well, I'm not really, that's just not where I am. I want to, I want to show you this verse in Hebrews 2, 1, and I'm going, to, I'm going to prove to you something here very quickly. It says, we must pay the most careful attention. Like, let's stop right there. Just stop right there. Look at me. Don't be naive. Don't be simple-minded. That what has happened to others if you allow those voices in your life, can and will happen to you. And if you think you are above it, that's your first mistake. If you think that you are above being deceived, if you think that that the devil's schemes just never work against you, can I tell you, you're naive. Because every time you sin, you're giving in to the devil's schemes. And we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Like none of us are perfect. And if we fall, if we if we fall in a few areas, what's going to keep us from falling in that area if we continually listen to the voice of deception? Don't be naive. Don't think, don't think that, boy, this just will never happen to me. Can I tell you, there's there are a lot of couples that are divorced that that at one point thought, well, that'll just never happen to us. But then over the course of time, the unthinkable happens, and they, they separate or they get divorced, and they're thinking, I just never thought that that would ever happen. So, so we always, that's why the Bible says we are sober, we're vigilant, we, we, we are aware of the devil's schemes. Like, 
Like we, we uh, are watchful because the devil is so sneaky. We're just watchful. So we're watchful what comes into our, uh, comes into our mind, into our thoughts. We're watchful about what we read. We're watchful about what we hear. We're watchful about what we pay attention to. You know, just a few days ago, I was, um, I, I, I was uh, on a prayer retreat, and uh, it, was, it was late at night. I really just had this uh, incredible day with the Lord. It was a wonderful day, and at night, um, turned on the television. I was going to catch up with the news because it was the whole, like, you know, Super Tuesday thing was happening and whatever. And I was trying, you know, when you go in a hotel room, you don't know what the news channel is. You have no idea. So you just kind of have to flip through channels. And I went through this one channel and it was, and it just caught my attention. I thought, oh, oh, something's wrong with that. And it was like a Christian broadcasting network. I don't know. It was some, it was some name that I'd never heard of before, some network I'd never heard of before. And, and, and they were preaching Jesus, but something inside said, boy, that's not right. And, and so I, I um, you know, I, I flipped channels, found the news, and then as I'm watching the news, I researched that network only to find out that, that it was a, a network that were, were not, and I won't go into the details of it, but they weren't, it wasn't a Christian network after all. They sure, sure sounded like it. They talked about Jesus, but their doctrine is so messed up. And I thought, how many people would tune into that station and hear, oh, they're talking about Jesus. It must be right, and it, it's not right. It's just not right. And they're, they're naive. They don't, they don't catch these things, and they listen to things that they shouldn't. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And, and the words drift away means it's just, it's just a, it slowly happens. You just slowly move in that direction, and then you go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's like in the woods. You just get off course a little bit. You're just off the line a little bit, but the deeper that you go, the further off you are from your destination. How many know what I'm talking about? And that's what happens that we drift away. So five steps to lose your faith. I'm going to teach you five ways to drift away from Christ which ultimately I'm telling you, don't give in to these things, all right? Number one, the first step to neglect your, to, 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 the first step to lose your faith is to neglect your time with God. Neglect your time with God, write that down. It's the first step. Psalm 63, verses one through three, this is, and I put this in there, I normally don't, but today I did, kind of the heading of this, of this psalm, and it reads like this, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. And that's very important that you understand where he's at and, and really why he's there. He's not there because he wants to be. He's there um, sort of in hiding, and he's obviously in the desert. Now, you know, a few months ago, my wife and I were in Israel, and um, when you go through the desert of Israel, it's a desert, everybody. Like, the, I, I can't tell you the vast number of times where I'm thinking about uh, these, these ruins that we were in or these cities that were there, thinking how many thousands of people lived there and where's water? Like, I don't see any water around here. I don't see any springs. I don't, I don't see any riverbeds or creek beds. There's obviously not a lake around here. Where are these people getting water from? Because it's just so dry and desolate and just rocks that's all you're looking at is is rocks it's just everywhere it's just rocks there's hardly any greenery whatsoever just 
It's just desert, just desert. And David is writing from one of those places, and he says this. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. And I'm thinking, man, if I was in the desert, I'd be seeking a way out. I don't know if I would start my day. I I, I don't know if I would start my day saying, okay, God, I'm going to spend the the, the first two hours of my day with you. I'm thinking, i got to find some water. I, I got to get to higher ground. I got to get out of this place. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna survive here if I don't leave. And he says, No, no. Before I search for anything, God, I seek after you. He said, I thirst actually for you. I'm in the desert, but I'm thirsting for you. My whole being longs for you, and he, and he admits it in a dry and parched land where there is. No water. I I realize, Father, that if I don't have you, that water is useless to me. Like, I'd rather have you than anything else in this world. Anything else that my body even craves right now, I just want you. I just want you more. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And what he's doing, he's looking back at the times that God has just ministered to him, that he's been blessed by God. He's looking back at times and saying, I remember in the sanctuary what I felt and what I experienced, and I I felt your love and your presence, and, and I just so enjoyed my time. Oh, God, I long for those days in a very dry land. Really, I thirst for you more than anything. Can I tell you, we, we live in, in a world, by and large, that has abandoned God. And it's very dry out there. It's very parched. This world has nothing. And you've probably discovered that or you wouldn't be here today. This world has nothing to offer you, really. And you can look back and you're like, yeah, but I know what it's like to be in his presence. I know what it's like to enjoy his presence. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's so life-giving. Can you say that you're at the place today that you thirst for God more than you thirst for anything. Hungry for God more than you're hungry for anything. Can you say that today? I want to tell you, if you can't say that, odds are you're neglecting your time with God. What I found out, the more thirsty I am for God, the more hungry I am for him, the more I desire and long for him, the more time I spend with him. It's just the way it works. And when I'm not hungry for him and thirsty for him, that's when I realize, wow, I haven't really spent much time with God as of late. But let me ask you this way. This is a weird way to ask it, but it's a great way to ask it. Um, you know, when, when you go, in fact, today we'll be talking about mission trips after the second service. And, and my wife and I have been on many, and there, there are cravings that you get when you're on a mission trip. Like, oh, I can't wait. Especially like day seven, day eight something like that, you're thinking Big Mac all the way, man. Just special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Like you're craving a Big Mac, and you can't wait to fly into that Miami airport because you know there's a McDonald's waiting for you. And you get that craving. It's just what you think about. Do you crave God like that? Do you crave God like that? Like, oh, man, he's so special to me. I just want to be with him. I just want to. I just want more of him. I want more of his word. I want more of his presence. I, I, I just want more of him. Don't neglect your time with God. Number two, five steps to lose your faith. You put your faith in a person and not in God. 
when you put your faith in a person and not in God. Psalm 71 verse 5 is so clear about this. It says, O Lord, you alone are my hope. Like I have no other hope except in you. You alone are my hope. And you say, well, this doesn't really, this really doesn't apply to me. Did I tell you? There are a lot of Christians who would have said the same thing. But when somebody who was famous, somebody who, who was a televangelist, somebody who was an author, somebody who made, made a big difference in this nation, maybe even around the world, that they go into a moral failure, something happens, they have a fall that takes place in their ministry, and all of a sudden, thousands upon thousands of people walk away from the faith. They lose their faith because their faith wasn't based on Christ. It was based on a person that they appreciated, that they loved, that they admired. Can I tell you something? I'm, I'm thankful that you appreciate me, but don't put your faith in me. Put your faith in Christ. He alone is our hope. And the proof that that happens is all of those people who said, you know what, I used to go to church, but I had a pastor that, but I know of a guy that, but I know of a woman that, and then they start telling you this story about how that person let them down. Can I tell you, they were putting their hope in people instead of in Christ. Don't ever do that. People will let you down, but Jesus never lets us down. Amen? Amen. He never lets us down. Number three, five steps to lose your faith. The, faith. the third one is blame God for what's wrong. If you, want, if you want to lose your faith, just blame God for what's wrong. And can I say it this way? Let, let me say it a different way. Don't put the blame where it really belongs. Put it on God. Because the Bible is so very, very clear in John 10, chapter 10, or John 10, verse 10. It says, the thief's purpose is to kill and steal and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So if Jesus' purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life, if he says things like, hey, I began this good work in you and I'm going to be faithful to complete it, that I work out all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to, to my purpose, if he says those things and then something bad happens, how come people take, take the blame and place it on Christ or place it on God instead of acknowledging the fact it's the devil who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Like, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we, have, the, why do we have the potential to look at God and say, God, it's all your fault? Why? When we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And I, I've taught this to you. That right now, you might think God is in control of this world. Can I tell you? He isn't. He's in control of me. He's in control of his church. But he's not in control of this world. The devil was handed the keys to this earth when Adam and Eve sinned. One day, Jesus is going to show the devil who's boss. And he's going to be fully in control for all of eternity. But that's not where we're living right now. We're living in a fallen world. So why blame God for what the devil does? Doesn't make sense to me. And people do it all the time, and it causes them to lose their faith. And if you're struggling with that, that's a sermon within itself. If you're struggling with that, please come and talk to us. 
Please call me and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I'm blaming God for something that happened in my life, and I just need to talk to you about it. And then I'll have a one-on-one session with you, and I'll encourage you in the Lord, and I'll pray for you, and, and I'll get you back on track. So just come and talk to us. I don't have really the time to break that down in its fullness today, but I am available if you're going through that. Number four, five steps to lose your faith. Spend time with the wrong people. Just spend time with the wrong people. Just, pe- just choose people who aren't godly. Choose people who say that they're people of faith, but they don't act like it. Just choose people who don't care about the things of Christ. Just choose those people and hang out with them as much as possible. And over the course of time, you'll lose your faith. Why? We see it here in Scripture. We actually see it a lot in Scripture, but this is the most famous verse for this. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be misled. Come on, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And you've heard it said to teenagers all the time, but this truth applies to adults just as much. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You adults, not just teenagers, not just children in school, but you adults, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So I invest in relationships that are going to to encourage me that are going to strengthen me. Yes, there is a lot of output. I do encourage a lot of other people and spend my days helping people, but I also have to have people in my life that, that, are, that, are, that are going to invest in me while I'm investing in others. And you need the same thing in your life too. Yes, you need to invest in people that don't know Jesus. Absolutely. The church is not meant to stay within four walls. In fact, that's not what the church is at all. The church isn't a building. We are supposed to be out there making a difference in the lives of others. We are supposed to be sharing the gospel of grace with as many as possible, investing in the lives of others. But those people that we're investing in because they don't know Jesus should not be making an investment in your life concerning the things of God. You need to have other people in your life that are going to speak truth into you and help you, and push you, and encourage you, and build you up, and strengthen you in the faith. So yeah, there's going to be some investing. By all means, win some people to Jesus this year. You know, I, I just spoke with somebody just a few days ago. They're just having kind of a, a tough place in, in their life physically, and, and um, they're looking back at the course of their Christianity, and, and said to me, you know, I've never... I've never won anybody to Jesus. Never won anybody to Jesus. And they're kind of grieving about that. I tell them, it's not too late. It's not too late. As long as you have breath, as long as you have a voice, it is not too late. Don't don't get to the end of your life and say, I just never won anybody to Jesus. Don't do that. Come on, everybody. Let's make an investment in people who don't know Jesus Christ, let's make an investment in those people. At the same point, let's protect our faith. And let's make sure that we're around other people that that are going to speak the truth in love. Let's make sure of that. Number five, five steps to lose your faith. Love this world more than you love God. Just love this world more than you love God. I'm going to read out of James chapter 4. I usually don't use the message, but I am today. It's a, it's a paraphrase, but this is really accurate. I love the way that this reads. 
if all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose that God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he is a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll ever find. What God gives in love is far better than anything else you'll ever, ever find. So, he writes, why are you flirting with the world? Why are you flirting with the world? When that doesn't bring you contentment, it doesn't bring you joy, it doesn't bring you peace, it doesn't bring you life. I'm going to say a few things that, that, um, that you're going to agree with and you're going to say to yourself, yep, that's me too, that's me too. I've sinned. I've, I've done things that grieved the heart of God and I thought in the moment was going to bring me pleasure, was going to bring me joy, was going to bring me... I just thought, well, this is, this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. Only to find out that I felt so much worse. Anybody ever like that? Like you, you just sin, and then afterwards you realize, well, that wasn't good at all. Like I'm not... I'm not enjoying that at all. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of miserable, actually. Just kind of miserable. And yet we flirt with the world as if the world has something to offer us. We flirt with the world as if, as if, as if it, it's, it may be better than being with Christ. And I'm just telling you, it's, it, it's not. It's just not. I wish I could say I've never failed in that area. And I'm guessing you feel the same way, right? I mean, let's just let's just mass confession here as we often do at New Song. How, how many has ever, just in a moment, you just loved the world more than you loved God and you, and you just did it anyway? It's because we're all sinners, right? And then we found out, didn't we? We found out, that's not the life I want to live. That doesn't... That doesn't bring contentment. That doesn't bring happiness. In fact, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. And you're miserable because you're a Christian. You're miserable because you're miserable because the Holy Spirit is whispering to you. That's not the life that you live. That's not the life that I've called you to. Let me ask you a question though. When, when you've been when you've been in the sanctuary, and in, and you've not only enjoyed the presence of others, but you've just enjoyed the presence of God. You're blessing the Lord and you're hugging people and you're, you're being ministered to and yet you're ministering to others and you're lifting your hands in worship and you're, you're singing and, and you're just glad to be in the house of the Lord, glad to be with other people. Do you ever walk out of this place and say, that's not the life I want to live. Like, nobody ever does that, right? Nobody ever leaves this place and says, you know what, that is just not the life I want to live. See, you, you see how, though, the devil is so sneaky. He's so sneaky. He, he tries to tell you, well, you don't need to go to church today. You should sleep in. 
You, you don't need to worship. You can be a Christian and stay at home. You know how many times pastors hear that? I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church anywhere. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's God's design. You're rejecting God's design. They don't like it when I say that. Now, I always say that in love. I, I look at them and say, well, why would you do that? That's how I say it. Why would you do that? You know, God designed the church, right? You know, that wasn't my design. That was God's design. Why would, if you're a Christian, why would you reject his design? And they don't have an answer for that. You, you see what I'm saying? Can, can, you, can you come down in, in, in your life at this very moment and say, you know what? I know that the presence of the Lord and the fact that he is in me, that his presence is in me, that, that just means so much to me. And I'm so grateful for the love of my heavenly father and his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit bringing me into a relationship with him. And that's what brings contentment into my life. I know it full well. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Isn't that great stuff? Isn't that great stuff? But there might be some few in this room that you've been battling that. You've been flirting with the world. Can I tell you, if you just drift a little bit, you keep moving forward, all of a sudden it's not just a little bit anymore. The gap just gets further and further and further away. So you feel, and then you get really lost. Don't, don't lose your faith. And can I tell you some good news? Can I tell you some great news? This is what my father uh, used to tell people all the time as a pastor. Not necessarily this illustration, but I'm getting there. You know, there, I told you about how I got lost hunting multiple times. Not multiple. At least three. Three that really made me kind of nervous. One of them was in Michigan. And when I got lost, and that's in the UP, where there is not a road every mile. And, and then I saw a bear, and I got a little nervous. And I was only bow hunting. I didn't have a gun or anything, and I had to, I had to be a good shot if I was going to defend myself. But thankfully, we went in opposite directions. Praise the Lord. One time, though, I, I placed a new stand. I hung a new stand, and it was in big woods. And I, I thought to myself, you know, I'd better put up, like, you know, kind of mark the trail to get in there and I thought no I'll remember that I can just and I, I made reminders so I get up early in the morning and I walk out to the stand and it is nowhere to be found this I can't see it it is dark and I'm just using a flashlight and I'm looking everywhere every tree looks the same in the dark and I can't find it so I think to myself you know what I'm going to do I know what to do I'm going to stop first of all I'm not going to go any further because I'm, I'm probably past it is what I was thinking I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go any further. I'm just gonna sit down. I'm gonna wait till sunrise and then I'll I'll walk around a little bit, find my stand, and, I, and it should be good deer hunting that day, you know. I, I can still make this happen. And so I sit on the ground and I wait for about an hour, because I always get in there really early. I wait for about an hour until until the sun just starts peaking. And then it's another 20 minutes after that because you know it kind of gets gray first and and so it's, it was a long wait. And finally, it started getting daylight enough where I was looking around, looking around, looking around, and saying, where am I, where am I? And I look up. And there's my stand right there. It's right there. And it reminds me of something that my dad said. He said, Jesus is always right where you left him. He's always right where you left him. So if you say, you know what, I've been drifting a long way for a long time, and I'm away from the Lord, 
And I tell you, the moment that you turn around, there he is. The moment that you look up, there he is. When you seek him, he can be found. When you look up, when you come to your senses, when, when, when the light starts to dawn and you start seeing your reality, you look up and there he is every time. Every person who calls in the name of the Lord is saved. Everyone. When you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart. He's just right there. And for those people, and I've heard a lot of them, well, you know, I, I haven't been in a relationship with, I, you know, I used to be. We hear this one lady say that. I can't tell you the number of times. I used to be in such a close relationship with God. And I'm getting, and I, I just kept trying to tell her, you don't have to strive for it. It's right there. You take that by faith. You just, you just turn to the Lord and say, Father, I am sorry. I drifted. Forgive me and make me all that I can be in you. What does he do? As you are, you're my child. He, I'm telling you, he, he's right there. Right there. Stand up with me. Would you do that? He's right there. With nobody looking around, just a private moment, there are no doubt some people in this room that as you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, you know what, I have drifted. I have been off course for a little while. I've been flirting with the world. I've been coming home at certain times of night, realizing that I just made a mistake, that I, that I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been with who I was with. I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. I mean, that might be one of your stories. I don't know. There's some others in this room that your stories are a little bit different. Your, your stories may be that you're not, you're not out there flirting like other people are with the world, but you're not engaging with the Lord. You've been neglecting your time with Christ. And that too, that's something that you know on the inside right now. I've just been neglecting my time with Christ. I don't even sense him anymore. I don't even sense his presence anymore. You're ready to fix that. You're ready to, you, 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 let me say it like this. You're ready for God to fix that as you turn towards him. Today's your day. Today's your day. You've been drifting and you know it. Nobody looking around. Please, every head down, every eye closed. You say, Pastor, that's me. I've just been drifting away from the Lord. Today's the day I'm getting right with him. Today's the day I'm, I'm going to turn towards him. And I'm going to call out to him. Raise your hand really high. Yeah. Several hands. So proud of you. Put your hands down. So proud of you. So very, very proud of you. Maybe there's some other people in this room that you've never trusted Christ as Savior. And you realize today, today's the day I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand really high and let me see who you are? All right. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, all of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory. 
And at times, all of us in our life have allowed things in that shouldn't have been let in. I think all of us here in this room, if we really are those who want to follow you, we have regrets. Some of them very deep regrets. Father, today, this very moment, we turn towards you. According to your word, when we draw close to you, you draw close to us. It's a promise. And so today, we turn our hearts toward you. Lord, we've sinned. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive me, I pray. Help me to be who you've called me to be for the glory of your name. For my benefit. And for the benefit of those I love, the benefit of those around me. Father, change me, I pray. Because I don't want to drift anymore. I don't want to slide away from you anymore. I want to be in a real and right relationship with you. That's what I'm choosing today. I thank you for doing it. Thank you. Now, whether you just prayed that prayer, maybe today was that day that you just said, God, I just want you, and I'm, I'm choosing you again this day. I'm, I'm repenting. I'm turning from who I used to be, and I'm allowing you and asking you to change me. Or maybe you've done that a long time ago. And you haven't been really drifting at all, but you just want more of Jesus. Could we just all lift our hands to, to our Heavenly Father just in one, in one act of unity, one act of surrender, all of us? Heavenly Father, we thank you for forgiving us. We thank you that you remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. We thank you that every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We thank you for that truth. We thank you. For the fact that when we draw close to you, when we pursue you, you're easily found. In fact, you run towards us. You draw close to us. And we want to say thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for accepting us as we are. But at the same point, thank you for changing us. Thank you for empowering us with your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Father, send your Spirit so much more than ever before. We are so hungry. We're so thirsty. Father, we want you more than anything else in this world. We desire you more. So empower us and fill us with your spirit. And fill us with, fill us with your presence, with your power, with your word, with truth, so that we could be the people that you've called us to be and live for the glory of your name. And we celebrate your goodness. We celebrate your faithfulness. We celebrate your mercy and your grace and your compassion. And we want you to know that we love you with all of our hearts. You are good, Lord. You are, in fact, great and greatly to be praised. So, Father, you get all the glory, all of the honor, both now and forevermore. If you agree with that today, say a big amen. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. 
Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.